2: Hello and welcome to Rainstop Play on what is a Friday afternoon here in the UK. We weren't quite ready for that, but we're here to review the third test between India and England. I don't know if you can tell the tone of my voice, but I'm an angry man. I'm quite a sad man as well, uh, but we've got an exciting podcast ahead for you to debate what happened in the third test, and I'm going to try and not keep it, I'm, you know, it's not going to be sweary, it's not going to be angry, it's going to be calm, collected debate between four individuals who enjoy their cricket. And I'm going to start with... The first individual, Will, how are you? Are you as angry as I am? Probably not.
3: No, I think relative to everyone else on the pod, I'm, I would describe myself as fine.
2: Good. Um, Zach, you're annoyingly calm. How are you?
4: Again, I, I'm fine, really. I, I just, I've just i just decided to step away and forget that cricket, you know, I mean, it does, obviously it matters, but, you know, forget that I could get angry about it because at this point there's, a, there's enough anger in the world, Dan.
2: I think the reason I'm I'm angry today, Zach, is you. you, you your pants are <laughs> actually me up at the minute because I'm furious at what happened these past two days. Um, uh, Glenn, how are you? Are you somewhere in the middle of, of the anger spectrum? No comment. Good. Sit on that <laughs> fence, son. Sit on that fence. Hope it's not too sharp. Um, before we get into this amazing test match, and I will call it amazing and take that as you will, we must uh, address some news. There's plenty of other cricket going on. And some brighter news that calmed me down this morning was England women. Uh, they're in New Zealand. Uh, seven-wicket win in the second ODI. I think on the last spot I said it was T20s. It's not. It's, it's ODIs. Um, uh, seven-wicket win. They go 2-0 up in the series. Uh, very comfortable victory there with uh, 13-0s to spare. Um, also in New Zealand, uh, the men are playing the Australian men uh, in a T20 series. Glenn, you watched a bit of this amazing second game, high-scoring second game. Uh, what happened in that?
5: Yeah, thank you, Dan. It was fantastic. So um, it was perfect time for me in Wyoming, 6 p.m. start. So perfect evening viewing. And it was fantastic. So for people not following the series, um, this is the second game of a, of a five match T20 uh, T20 International Series between New Zealand and Australia. In New Zealand, again, a build up to the World Cup, which is on everyone's radar. In the first game, um, New Zealand comfortably won. Uh, it was pretty one sided, to be honest. But this second game was extraordinary. So uh, New Zealand in batting first got 219 for seven. Uh, excellent 97 from Guptil um who's now hit the most um sixes in t20 international history he's overtaken Sharma, uh 97 off just 50 balls um so nearly a strike rate of 200 amazing innings uh four six six fours and eight sixes just he, he was pinging it all over the place in quite a small ground it's, it's worth noting it was a very small ground um he was really well supported by williamson who got a very tidy um 53 off uh only 35 balls but the innings that i liked from uh New Zealand, the most was actually Jimmy Neesham, who came in, hit his first ball for six, his second ball for six, and his third ball for six. So he just came in and teed off. It was fantastic to watch, and I, so he got 45 off just 16 with a strike rate of 281. How is that for some T20 batting? I'll come back to him in a second because he is a vital figure in this entire game. So going over to Australia, um, obviously huge total. New Zealand, um, you know, almost got 220 um and they started off pretty rockily wade and finch didn't look particularly convincing Uh, we've all talked about finch being out of form at the minute it's interesting because he's the captain of of oz in the t20 team but there's a lot of talk about dropping him um so that's kind of an ongoing subplot in there um philippe who was the top scorer in the big bash if i'm not wrong came in and got 45 runs um of 32 Looked pretty tidy then Maxwell fell for three. And I mean, at that point, I think Australia were about 87 for three, pretty much out of the game. And what happened is that New Zealand got incredibly complacent and uh, Stonis came in and smashed um, 78 off just 37, strike rate of 210, ably supported. They're, interestingly, there were two people got ducks, Agar and Marsh both got ducks. So again, looks like game over. No, not in this match. Sam's came in batting, I think, number eight, nine. He got 41 off just 15 balls, uh, two fours, four sixes, pinging it all over the place. And would you believe it? This game went down to the last over. And a lot of the New Zealand bowlers took stick. Jameson, especially a few of us mentioned before the pod started, bowled horrendously. I mean, I'm a massive fan of him in the test game. He In the test game in New Zealand, I've not seen a more dangerous bowler in in, in a long time for raw pace, but... In this game, he had four overs for 56. Really shocking. And his first over was he had a front foot no ball that was like a full foot over. It was just he his head wasn't in the game. And then goes down to the last over. Australia need I'd say around 10. Jimmy Neesham bowls it, having not bowled anything else in the game. So his first his first over is the final one. Would you believe it? If you recall, I just said his first his first shot was a six. His first ball was a wicket. So he was absolutely what a game killing for the bow. it. And he's a really likable bloke. He's great on Twitter. Seems a really nice guy. We all like him. Uh, so he gets a wicket. However, there is a six. Um, there is a six in the over. So it's it's all going off. It goes down to the last two balls. Um, Australia's done the game. I think there's a dot. So it is impossible by the last ball. But New Zealand, when Australia should have been way out of the game, they only, they only won by four runs. It was as good a T20 game in my memory for pure entertainment. Uh, crowd were in there. Brilliant
2: stuff. Uh, and more runs than in the test match as well. Zach, why <laughs> why did you frown when Glenn said we like Jimmy, Jimmy Neesham? What's you wrong not? with Jimmy Neesham now? He's got a lovely dog, and you're not going to moan about this pitch. What is wrong with you?
4: <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I just. I'm not that keen on him. I think. Uh, oh, I, I I used to like true. his Twitter stuff, but I find it a bit annoying. My I'm I'm really happy for Daniel Sam's though because. Daniel Sams is someone who took a lot of stick on this podcast during the IPL and then <laughs> had had a pretty good big bash and got his got another international call up. And, you know, he showed what he can do with the bat. Which I don't think we saw him. Well, we certainly didn't hit, see him hit runs like that in the IPL, but it's, it's been it's been shown that he can bat like that. He bats at seven for Sydney Thunder. So, you know, it's good to see him do it on the international stage.
2: Definitely in a fascinating game. Uh, That's 2-0 to New Zealand in that five-game T20 series. You don't see that very often, I guess. Um, So keep an eye on that uh, in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, The 100 draft happened this week, apparently. Um, I I had no idea it went on. All I followed was that, or remember seeing, was that Warner went to uh, KP... No, Pombaers. Pombears Cricket Club, um, also known as the Southern Brave, Zach, anything else noteworthy happened? You know, how did the quavers get on? How did the rest of the crisps do? <laughs>
4: well, so uh, I think so. there was kind of two teams that basically sacked off most of their side, but the rest of them kind of kept everyone. And it meant that, so Manchester, I, I, I can't remember who are Manchester again. Originals. Originals. No, 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 I know they were the oh. original. I'm trying to think of the crisp or the nut. LA Hula hoops. No, Hula, could Hula, be Hoops, Hula, Hoops. Hula Hoops is the other team that got rid of loads of players. Welsh Fire. Oh, wait, maybe it wasn't.
2: No, Welsh Fire definitely aren't Hula Hoops. The Welsh Here's the Pringles. I want to support the Pringles. Aren't in also. that. No, no, no. Right.
4: Can no. we just sack this off because I've just tried to get the squads
2: up and I'm looking at the women's squads. I was like, I don't
4: know
2: <laughs> You know what? I can't be bothered. Let's just sack off the whole hundred. Um, Please. Um... If you want to find out more about the 100, just go and read about it yourself. Google it. If you, you got them, Zach? I can cut this in. <laughs> for,
5: for, for anyone yes, listening, yes, this, yes, is, no, no, no. this is this um, is before we all apply to cover the 100 <laughs> as co-hosts or live, live tweeters we're at have the to delete,
2: We're going to have to McCoy's. delete this pod.
3: Manchester and McCoy's. Oh, McCoys. that's easy to
2: remember. That's double M. It's alliterative. Okay. How did the McCoys do, Zach?
5: How did the
3: Ridges so, do? So the
4: McCoys, the McCoys brought in some some interesting players. They had... They had all their international... Oh, vinegar,
2: cheese, and (laughs) onion.
4: (laughs) They got, well, Rabada and Nicholas Poran, the two of the international players they brought in. And, um, yeah, they're both, you know, pretty good. They also stole Tom Lamanby. My only interest in the 100 draft, really, apart from, you know, I'd love to work for them in the future, maybe. Uh, (laughs) uh, My only was that I didn't want them to steal too many Somerset players, too many Somerset players to get signed up and. There weren't that many, but Lamanby got signed up for Manchester Originals, which I think was kind of expected. And after being dropped by by the Manchester Originals, Tom Abel got picked up by the Birmingham Phoenix, your local side, Dan.
2: Yes, my Birmingham Phoenix. We card white. Um, yeah, it's fever pitch here in Birmingham for the hundred. Did you see Sky Sports Hundred Takeover? They wheeled out Nassau Hussain in, in a nice polo, in a nice polo shirt, and. He was on Sky Sports News all day talking about it because they released a team every hour or something. And it happened like months ago, apparently, as well. This happened ages ago and then they told us all about it anyway. We'd all love to work for the 100 and quite frankly, we can't wait, as you can tell <laughs> by the tone of our voice. Um, but I'm starting to get wound up with things I'm not supposed to get wound up about. So let's get into the the meat of, of this podcast, which is this third test between England and India. Well, we can't quite believe it's done. It should be the middle of day three. But here we are chatting about an India 10 wicket victory. Um, Finished within two days. Um, England 112 and 81 uh, played. (laughs) India's 145 and 49 for none. That 49 for none being my worst nightmare, which I think is what's made me most angry. Um, Right. I'm sorry to have to do this. And we avoided it. We avoided it in the second test. Pitch discourse. But I feel like this test has gone too far. Um, it's to, for a test match to finish within, so, uh, within two days is a shambles. Everybody should be embarrassed. Nobody apart from maybe three or four players came out of this with any, you know, respect. Um, the whole organization has gone down the wrong way. I'm, I'm starting to mumble over my words. So, Will, talk some sense into me, please, and talk me down from this position. What happened in this test match? Why did it happen?
3: Well, I don't hugely want to start with pitch discourse because I feel, like you... I, I feel like you and Glenn will channel that anger the best. So before we get there, I agree with you it was a shambles. <laughs> it was a shambles primarily because neither team could work out how to bat on a surface, which is your primary job as a cricketer <laughs> to be able to adapt the surface you're playing on in different conditions and bat well. The only people who came out with pretty much any credit were Zach Crawley and Rohit Sharma. And that's it. Um, we didn't get the inevitable. Sure, sure, surely
2: Axar. Surely Axar. I know he didn't from, know which. From, did, from he... the batting. Oh, from the batting. Sorry. The batting. Oh, can I come on to Axar in a bit? Sorry. Yes. I'm, I'm really wanting to jump in and you. Carry on, Will. I'm sorry.
3: <laughs> I hope listeners can feel Dan's anger because he's basically, he's lost his head. He's given up on his role as a host. We want the, we want the Dan fan cam now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yes, before we get to the inevitable anger Axel Patel did bowl very, very well Of course it was a pitch which helped him And did favours um, And as everybody's pointed out the uh, Most of his wickets came from straight balls That people just played around um, But it was very clever bowling from him To get a couple to turn hard early And then th- Dan's angry again
2: <laughs> He didn't know that was turning Nobody. He just <laughs> chopped it on a length And was like, oh, I don't know And then England bats would missed straight ones And I Is agree that with that Is that true? I think so. I'm gonna put my mic down. I
4: I think that's quite unfair. I think he's a good bowler. He was helped by a surface, but you know, I think we've seen it before where we've had uh, English spinners who've been helped by. I'm not. I'm not saying helped to this extent by a surface, but you know, it being a fifth day pitch and they've not taken advantage of it. So you know, uh, it's not. Yeah, He is a good bowler. I I don't think we can discredit the fact that he took, you know, 10 wickets in his new local stadium, you know, this new mega stadium that I know Will's really happy to see open. Do
2: you want to talk about this new stadium, Will? Because um, open to some fanfare, uh, 130 or 110,000, whatever it is, a lot of people, um, and they put a lot of money into the stadium, obviously forgot about the pitch, but talk more about the general sort of ceremony behind the stadium. You're not too pleased with it.
3: Yeah well look Dan's absolutely de- determined to lose all of our listeners by being angry in one episode which I'm fully supportive <laughs> of. So if, if any of our Indian listeners are, are are tuning in you can once again feel free to send me abuse. Um yeah it didn't yeah the game didn't start well. It's a gorgeous stadium by the way, absolutely beautiful, a perfect circle as they said a strange number of times. Uh, We'll probably host the IPL final. We'll have lots of test matches to come. It's going to look gorgeous under the lights and with everything glowing up weird colours. It's a gorgeous stadium. However, I will now hate it forever and refuse to watch it Um, because they had this bizarre ceremony where the Indian president was there and the home minister, who is the kind of Indian government equivalent of Priti Patel in this country, um, who turned up. And even though the stadium was reopened and renamed about eight months ago and hasn't seen any cricket since, they've decided to rename it again And they have renamed it the Narendra Modi stadium after the current Indian prime minister, who listen, it's ludicrous on any basis. If we, if we opened a stadium in England and called it the Boris Johnson stadium, everybody would laugh regardless of whether or not we like Boris Johnson. It's just a ludicrous thing to do. Add to that, that without going into politics, I I personally think that's a disgrace and he's the kind of bloke who should never have anything named after him, uh, especially while still in government and still doing some pretty terrible things. We can edit as much of this politics out as you want, Dan.
2: We'll keep it all in. I'm just more excited to see a shining Tata Altros in there come the IPL final. I think that's (laughs) going to be the crowning glory for this new stadium. Um, Glenn, give us your thoughts on this match. Feel free to talk about pitch or players. And once we get this out of our system, we can start talking about the cricket.
5: Well, first of all, I think for the hundred, every ground should be named after a cabinet minister. So I want to be seeing the hundred played in the in the Matt Hancock Stadium, Hancock Arena. (laughs) Hancock Arena. (laughs) I I will start another change campaign to to get to get that moving. Um, uh, To get touch more on the uh, more on the game that I guess we're we're here to talk about as well. Um, I kind of agree with pretty much all three of you have got. Tiny, differing perspectives in different ways on this test. And I think I agree with much of it because I think simultaneously things can be right. Aghsar Patel bowled well, England played bad, and simultaneously the pitch was not up to a test standard. Yes, well said. All of it can be right at once. No, no game should be over in two days. And, you know, to bounce off, um, obviously to look at the positives of this new stadium, it's obviously a nice bit of architecture, as you said, Will. And what a shame for... A lot of reasons. So dance so dance lost his head.
2: <laughs> Lovely bit of architecture. I knew this I knew this problem was gonna be a bit chaotic with what's happened in the past few days. and All our heads are a bit frazzled. But for Glenn to so be talking about the architecture of the stadium is classic. All right. It's a terrible it stadium.
3: Is. It is, it's it a
2: nice is. bit of architecture. It is, it's it's a textbook.
5: Um, so, okay, so we've had this, we've had the reopening. Obviously there's uh, there are issues with that, which I completely agree with, but you know, you've got this, this, this grand opening, you're playing two days of cricket on it. What a, what a waste of the other three days, massive shame for the fans looking at it, obviously from an England perspective, not that it really matters, but it was a prime time test. It's on terrestrial TV. It went into the weekend. We've missed out on, well, I think th- with the time difference, maybe Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or maybe, maybe the Sunday we've missed three days of, of peak. Nine till four, however, whenever you watched it, people will watch it all across the country. I think it's shambolic that it finished in two days, and I think the groundsman should be fired, or groundswoman should be fired. I think it's horrendous. But at the same time, England were shocking and India Bowl beautifully. So I think they're all simultaneously right. Will?
3: I absolutely agree that things can be simultaneously true, and I think you make that point well. I have a question for the angry English boys among us, <laughs> because Dan and I briefly had uh-huh. this conversation off air, but I feel like. If spectators don't exist and televised sport isn't real, and this is purely a contest between two teams, then I think it really doesn't matter how good or bad the pitch is because both teams have got to play on it and someone wins who adapts to it better. So, my question is how fair is it for us to criticize a sporting contest, which is supposed to be a competition, but also know that it's there for the spectators? Like, how do we kind of think about that divide?
5: Well, I, th- I, I, I think it's a really good point. I think this is meant to be a five-day game. I think it's meant to be a competition that extends across that. It doesn't have to last the five days. I think you can have a competitive four-day four game. That's how most of them finish. I think the fact that it was less than half of what it's meant to be it's like obviously if we watch the t20 right and the the team batting first got all out for 40 and then the team smack it off in three overs you're watching a 5-5 game i feel like it's a very similar thing um so it's just disappointing for a test match of a spectacle because you're meant to be tested over five days and we want to see you've mentioned that no one really showed their best except for two batsmen and obviously the bowlers no one had the opportunity to show their best and this is two of the best test playing teams in the world i want to see them battle for five days just not even as a spectator but just as you know someone who appreciates the sport and i think that's where it really let me down
4: brilliant point glenn i completely agree uh and i i think one thing you mentioned there's being tested over five days and i think one of the important things about test cricket yes dan i'm engaging in the discourse i hope you're happy <laughs> well is welcome the, join the, us is we've dragged him the, down the, <laughs> The conditions change across those five days and the conditions, you know, it's meant to be different. That's kind of the whole idea of it. I know potentially that's, an, you know, a bit of an English centric view, but that's not just, you know, there's been tests in India in the past. Plenty of tests in India in the past where it hasn't turned square from the first morning.
2: I'm enjoying these points. I'm starting to calm down. I've had someone to chat to. Obviously, I've had no one to chat to in lockdown about this. <laughs> I've been out for a walk. It was a in. lovely day today. But... Shouted at some pigeons about the score. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not too far from the truth. But I think the main source of my anger was that we missed three days of cricket. This was a... Uh, Glenn's alluded to it. We, we had a 1-1 series against two wonderful teams. Remember our first preview part, how excited we were for this series. And we came into this test with both teams having won a game each, two games left, World Test Championship points on the line. And for it to fall so flat like that in a day and a half was such an anti-climax. I think that's where most of my anger is coming from. And it then gets aimed at um, grounds people and commentators. But it is just me venting, really. I mean, it's just a shame. And I also think it it puts the second test into perspective because nobody could bat on this pitch it was so confusing it was such a lottery for half of them <laughs> india's 49 for none kind of kills me on that but i also think that was pretty academic the way england were bowling um they were always going to get that without too much damage so any any more any more for the pitch
3: i do think and this is this is segueing us neatly away from pitch and into playing slowly that <laughs> The pitch is obviously a huge factor, but it's not an excuse for the scale of poor performances that we've seen. Um, as Joe Root said after the game, England was 70 for two at one stage. That shouldn't be collapsing to all out for 112 or whatever it was. And then, and I'm, I'm sure you guys, again, will have opinions about this guy as a bit of a hate figure from the game. But Johnny besto was making some horrific decisions that should never be made on a pitch. And when you come out after England bowled as well as they did the pitch or not, they bowled very well to get India out with a very slim lead. You could have suddenly taken a moment to calm down and gone, okay, we now have the best part of four days. Scores are almost level. This is a test match again. Let's be chill. Instead, you have English batsmen trying to slog sweep after three balls.
4: Johnny Bairstow, England's number three, who is a specialist number three to play against spin, who faced across the Test match three balls of spin in the innings. He got given out LBW to two of them and was bowled by the third one. Thank (laughs) you, Ben Gardner at Wisdom, for that.
2: That's a cracker.
5: Um, Yeah, well, I think, think, you know, you've both just mentioned, obviously, Johnny Bairstow is getting, you know, a bit of a brunt of the criticism for this. But I think if you're all happy to go into the kind of segue... Before we necessarily get into, you know, what happened on the pitch, we've talked about the pitch itself, but I think this is the perfect time to discuss England selection, completely back to front, awful, and the, you know, the completely failed rotation policy, which I, when it, when it started, when they first mentioned it. I had some understanding of why they were doing it and I appreciate players have got to see their families, completely agree with that. And the way individuals such as Mawin, as we discussed on the final pod, were personally attacked, wrong. But this has demonstrated that Ed Smith, the selectors, Ashley Jars, whoever does have the say, I think it's Smith, has got this horrifically wrong, completely wrong. And I don't think there's any reason why Josh Butler should be going home to come back for T20s when he, he's one of the best T20 players in the world. For example, there's plenty more players we can talk about in a second, but for he's one of the best T20 players in the world. He plays in the IPL. He knows Indian pitches. Like, he is set for the World Cup. We do not need to prove him in a pretty meaningless series. I think it's wrong, and I think just because you mentioned Johnny Bairstow doing so badly, he had a horrific... I don't know if we... We might have mentioned it on this pod last week, I can't remember, but he had a horrendous journey. He went back after the Lanka series, he came back to India, he had like a 10-hour journey, 7-hour bus, couldn't even get off to use the the bathroom or whatever. How are you going to be in a mental state to face some of the best bowlers in the world after that? It's ridiculous, and I think Ed Smith's at fault here. This is the reason the test's gone up in smoke.
2: Are you suggesting the reason Johnny Bairstow got bowled is because he needed the toilet? Is that Yeah, he he didn't have a
5: chance to use it for five days in a row, so by the time he's in the middle. (laughs) Um,
2: Glenn, I'm going to have to pretty much totally disagree with everything you've just said, and I'm sure listeners can pick a side here, but listen, the, the selection in this game, right, not picking another spinner or two, which would have been the right decision, was academic. The middle order getting 24 was the issue. You could have had nine spinners, but if our Because we had a tail, didn't... because we had a tail of four. We had four people who got no, bat. No, don't don't care for that. I don't care for that tail. We've got batsmen, we've got seven batsmen, and we get bowled out for 112 and 81. This isn't the selection issue. The rotation is the rotation. I don't think Josh Butler would have done anything much different in this game. I and We've got to blame the people on the pitch. We've got 17 or 18 test match players in England, and they should be able to come in and out as and when to perform. And they didn't.
4: Uh also also ben folks you know he may not have got many runs but he looked one of the most assured on a very difficult pitch so if if joss butler was here ben folks wouldn't have had his chance and ben folks looks good and i i personally think he deserves you know chances when when it comes back to the english summer and that that's something i'm sure we will come on to probably at the end of the next test but so i'm not sure i i don't agree either Glenn. i i think that the the rotation it it's questionable, but I think Joss Butler he need, he needed some time at home. I know he's being rested, thing, but he was gonna he's gonna play in the IPL, isn't he? So that wasn't gonna work. And I think I don't think he would have done anything different. Like Dan said, we had we had seven batsmen. I know we we I've, we could have played Butler as well and not played Archer. We could have played Burns as well and not played Anderson. It would have been fine, but.
5: I don't I, think us
4: actually any better.
5: I just don't know how you could be particularly impressed with folks getting twelve and eight. I don't know how that's oh. something a positive. I mean, that's not great, but he
2: looks he looks okay, doesn't he? Oh, <laughs>
4: that's I, I, we got I to did, run off this test. No, no, no. It, it was that he looked more assured than our other batsmen on this pitch. No, no. This I'm not judging him for this. He looked good in the in the in the second test,
2: and his glove that's work was very good as well. So, but I think on the rotation policy, there's seventeen Test matches this year. This is probably the third most important series, as we, as much as we don't want it to be. Not series, I'm talking Ashes and T20 World Cup. Third most important event this year. So there is rotation. And I, and I know it's stupid that, for example, today, I think Moeen's flying back already today on the 26th. So it, it, it seems stupid, but they set this out at the start of the year. They let every player know when their time was going to be. And I think we just have to get on board with it.
5: It hasn't worked, then. How on earth has it worked? We won the first well, test. We I, could have I, had a historic well, win in, well, in, in one of the best test-playing nations in the world. We've thrown it. We've thrown it away. We beat India in the first test. That was incredible. Yeah, don't,
2: don't Bess and Joss Butler would not have won us this game. We, this, Bess is this still was, here. I mean, Bess is still in the, in the country.
5: I mean, he's yeah, not the person i talking think about. Select,
2: whether that was right or wrong, but I, I think let's tr- if we're talking about the whole pool of players to select from, if we picked our best players, we still would have lost this test match.
5: I think Moeen and, and, and Butler would have been really handy to have in this game and the previous game. I think in, we've lost two in a row. That's that's my point, not just this one. I think it, they've got it wrong. And I think it's frustrating because there was never going to be a better opportunity to compete in India after winning that first test with India on the back foot. They've demolished us since. They've outplayed us in every department, don't get me wrong. And I'm not saying we would have won with those two or three players, but it's extremely disappointing to have that opportunity. And we weren't flexible. You've kind of mentioned it there, Dan. It was so... Predetermined. It was so rigid that there was just no room for any adaptation to the potential. Probably because we thought we would lose that first test, and then yeah, we're being beaten by a great team in difficult conditions. We win it. Let's adapt. Let's try. Let's try and get to the World Test, um, test Championship final, which is in England. Why not try and strive for that? It's immensely disheartening. And Test cricket, in my opinion, is still the best form of the game in the world, and it is being mistreated, and I, I, it is disappointing.
2: I just, I, I, see what you mean, and I think what's going to be frustrating is seeing a full strength ODI side when there's no need for a full strength ODI yeah. side because there's no yeah. World Cup, and we could have rested Butler, Stokes, Moeen for that period of time, perhaps.
4: I, I would be very surprised if we saw a full strength ODI side. We haven't seen a full strength ODI side
2: since the World so Cup. Y- so why, why, why isn't, why didn't Butler stay for a bit longer and go home for the, for the oh. ODIs? Is there not enough time in this? I I would presume
4: because the ODIs come after the T20s and then it's the IPL. To be fair, Butler probably will play in the in the ODI's, but just because there is no point in him going home for whatever it is that because I think it's only three ODI's as well, yeah, and that they and can they... get done in like a week. So, and they count towards World Cup 2023 qualification.
2: Honestly, I I couldn't care less about World Cup 2023 <laughs> qualification at this stage. I am I am frazzled. Uh, my my mind is as frazzled, frazzled as most of the English batsmen were. This whole test match, I think what happened was they saw the pitch turn square and they lost all confidence in their own ability to, to defend the ball, any decision-making that took place. I think Johnny Bairstow is his prime example for that. <laughs> Oli Pope looked like a cat on a hot tin roof for the entire match. He He's such a skillful, graceful player, and he was just frazzled. And this is a mixture of the pitch and some wonderful Indian bowling that did this, but do we want to talk about any more of these batsmen? Let, let's talk positively about Zach Crawley. Maybe how good was that 53 on the opening morning? Uh, some of the stroke play on um, um, that's given me enough for hope. I think that on drive against Bumrah was, was world-class.
4: Yeah. I mean, I thought he was brilliant, wasn't he? I mean, he looked, there was lots of question marks about whether he would get picked for this. Well, a few question marks of the way he'd get picked because of Burns. Well, Burns ended up dropping out and yeah, he looked brilliant, didn't he? And, He showed, I was he showed how to bat because he did a lot of his runs were hit off seam bowlers. I think that's worth noting before the spinners came on, and then obviously they, you know, well documented. They caused some problems for the batsmen. I I wonder,
2: I wonder how they
5: did that. I wonder what that was all about. um it's it's really interesting so of our top six across the two innings 10 of the 12 wickets fell to straight deliveries so i think the real issue was as you've, you've all touched on this crisis of confidence playing for spin when it wasn't necessarily going to be there um there's interesting jeffrey boycott who uh, personally not a massive fan um of a lot of problematic issues with him but he did write an excellent piece um this week really just talking about that and how you've you you've got to you've got to know that you know if you get a turning ball chances are that it's going to be so good that it may just beat the bat and you and we've seen have we've seen leech bowl loads of them over these two tests from, just from an england perspective some of his best deliveries have not got wickets the issue is england players obviously playing for spin when it was not there and then getting bowled by the ones that are going to hit the wickets because they're straight so their technique was wrong it was it was dreadful and if we don't, I mean, there's no quick fix for that in, uh, you know, however many couple of days till the next till the next test. But you're not going to win anything um playing in India if you, in a test match if you're batting like that. And that is where I think the batting really just collapsed in my eyes. Uh
4: Also, England, you mentioned England not, you know, hitting that many runs in this test match. Uh, so that's kind of the, the issue for the whole podcast. But England only hit one six in the whole match as well. And who hit it?
2: Jack Leach. Jack Leach. Yay. The only two <laughs> sixes in this whole match are by Jack Leach and Ishant Sharma. And that was Ishant's first ever six in international cricket. Oh,
4: and, wow. well, you just, you've just stolen the, the whole idea of the Jack Leach stat there. It was oh, his, his no. first six. His first six in international cricket. But I suppose it's, it's less impressive than Ishant has played it was a
2: hundred but... a It was a thing of beauty, Leach's six, actually, because he came down to Axar Patel. So, that, you know, not many people fancy doing that. Um, yeah, so England's batting was absolutely woeful. Joffrey Archer at eight was depressing. He is such a bad batsman, it's frightening. Um, He's a test number 12. <laughs> yeah, at, te- at, at test level, because his IPL stuff was, was liquid this year. But, you know, that's irrelevant when Axar's bowling a straight one and you're missing it. <laughs> this straight one, so Root said it was obviously down to Axar's very good bowling, but also the pink ball, which has a different kind of lacquer on it, especially the SG ball I've been reading. I've not had one in my hand, but that... It picks up pace as it hits the wicket sometimes, especially when it doesn't grab. And that was doing batsmen for pace more than anything. So I thought that was quite an interesting point. So many LBWs going on with the arm. There was the there was the root one in the second innings, and he got away with one, I thought. I thought it hit pad first, but there was debate as to whether it was bat, pad, bat, or pad, bat, pad, or pad, pad, bat, or bat, pad, pad, or bat, pad, pad, pad bat, bat. Nobody knew the third umpire had himself a little bit of a weird um bit of a weird game (laughs) again i thought yeah um i can't i can't even remember this i can't even remember now oh yeah robert Sharma's stumping that was out or at least maybe he could have had a little look at it i think what alistair cook said was most prominent um correct was that the decisions that were controversial were done correctly i.e the ben stokes catch slash drop the stumping etc all those decisions were probably correct but why didn't he have a little extra look. He was very quick. Is he like paid? Is he like docked for every minute he's on camera, or his wages taken away? You he's, know? he's on commission. He's got. He's, he's
5: actually doing five games simultaneously, so he's got to really rifle through these decisions.
2: <laughs> so that that was a bit frustrating to see. um Gosh, I I can't even remember what we need to talk about now. England's bowlers. I mean, selection was shocking, wasn't it? I can't believe they got themselves so worked up about this pink ball and some lights that they they picked Broad, Anderson, Archer (laughs) and Stokes. That was a shambles, really, wasn't it?
4: And then had Joe Root bowl most of the overs. Jack Leach bowled as many overs as those three front frontline seamers all put together,
2: and he did a great job. Let's let's shout out to Jack Leach. He looked he's looked better with each innings, uh, in my opinion, across this tour. I think including the Sri Lanka one. Um, Root nicked a five for off him, which was a bit gutting, but it's also quite funny that Joe Root has a Test five for. And yeah, well done, Jack Leach. Also, Joe
4: Root's bowling averages now around five, less than his batting average. And obviously the definition of an all-rounder is someone who has a bowling average of less than their batting average. So, you
2: know. Oh yeah, there was a lot of that on Twitter, that Joe Root is now an all-rounder. And I think maybe that's why they didn't pick Best, because Root can do that job. And I would argue at the minute that Joe Root has more control over his bowling than Don Best does.
5: I, I don't think that's a bad point. and to to an extent, I definitely agree. But my concern with playing... Root as the second spinner in, in India and putting pressure on him then to bowl overs and take wickets is that he's already captain. He's already our best major batsman. We want him to get, you know, we want, he's looking for triple figures, obviously not the last two games, but across the last couple of games, especially in Sri Lanka. In my opinion, it is too much pressure to expect him to actually be to to be taking wickets to have that pressure. It's fine if he's the third spinner. He comes on, chances his arm. Yeah, he might get a you know a lucky one or two. The fact is that he did extremely well, and I think he had three wickets for no runs at one point in the start of his at the start of his spell. But I think it's too much, and I think his batting or his captaincy is going to suffer if he's told to bowl twenty overs a game. I think
4: I think that's such a good point, Glenn. I think that it, he will be. He's a fantastic second spinner in english conditions for yeah. the fifth day and it, and he works yeah. and it, it works really well with leech because yeah. when they did it with bess over the summer it was a bit weird because root was having way more attacking fields but they were actually obviously both turning it the same way and it yeah it seemed a bit strange but with leech it works he's he's a completely different option to leech obviously like he's a slightly different option to Bess. like he you know he, just, he goes a bit more attacking isn't he but yeah uh, yeah i think he works really well with leech but not i, I I completely agree with what you said not as a second spinner in Indian conditions but you know also we don't like, we just shouldn't have picked the third seamer I'm not, it, we wouldn't have it wouldn't have changed the result of the game but we didn't need Broad Anderson and, and Archer we could we could have survived with one of them
3: I think that's a good point and and people shouldn't get carried away with root's performance because that's really the thing that shows you how criminal this pitch was that Joe Root and Ravi Ashwin look like equally good bowlers mm-hmm. it's probably not the one to mm-hmm. get carried away with
2: yeah. And and that Root said that himself, and I think that was kind of his way of bitching about the pitch without being... <laughs> He's like, if um, I
5: did it, anyone
2: can. <laughs> <laughs> I got a fifer. Oh, anyone can do it. I honestly <laughs> felt like if I landed on a length, I could confuse Pajara, Coley, etc. I don't know. I don't want to get too angry again.
3: That may be ambitious. W- what do we think about... Joe Root obviously tried to not discuss the pitch too much, but... Virat Kohli had a little bit of, of a dig at the batting.
2: Oh, mate, would, would, let me get this right. He said this. It was this was a good pitch to bat him. Yeah, he said that. Okay, that's he's a wind-up merchant, isn't he? He's very good at it as well.
5: He is. He is. He's. He's. Uh, you know, he works. He does it well because he he annoys everyone. So he's he's good at what he's trying to do. I think he's trying to rile us up, and it works.
4: <laughs> Also also one of his one of his good friends, another classic wind up merchant, Kevin Peterson, had a few oh, yes. lovely words to say about the pitch, thinking it wasn't you know, it wasn't anywhere near as bad as everyone said it was.
2: But I agreed with Michael Vaughan for the first time this week. So that was that was a momentous occasion. Um he described the pitch as shite, simply. Very <laughs> very articulate man is our Michael, um, TMS correspondent. Um, hashtag on on. So yeah it's going to be tricky for England to to pick up these pieces really isn't it because their heads are all frazzled I mean if I'm just some guy in the in the midlands getting angry at this I don't I can't imagine what the actual camp is like maybe they're a lot calmer than me because they're they're sports people and and not you know angry fans but tricky to come back from the, from this test but we must move on to India um they use these conditions marvelously um artfully I might say um you know, insert good word about India here. I don't want to get too excited. Um, Will they? They just—they're so much better than England, right? That's—it's as simple as that.
3: Probably. I mean, artfully is a great euphemism there, Dan. For cynically, I think is what you mean. If you speak, you get in trouble. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, again, I—I I kind of agree with 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 Glenn's point from earlier with regard to it's just kind of let some of the air out of this series and made it all a bit less exciting. It's—it's it's hard to. Particularly find positives uh, as an India fan out of it. Um,
2: they I'm clearly. Glad, I'm ba- really glad you think that. Actually, will I, I'm really glad you think that because that's what I and I said this at the start has wound me up the most. Is like one-one, two great teams and a conducive pitch has taken the yeah taken the air out of this whole series, really, hasn't it?
3: It has a bit. It could have been a lot more positive for India with just a, a few slight improvements. I think getting to 49 for naught in that last innings was really important. And that that kind of was a PR victory to see, you know, you, you can not lose wickets on this pitch and chase things quite comfortably. And I think if they'd just extended their first innings up from wherever it ended 140 odd, if you could have inched that up to 200, which at one point they were in a position to do, then it would look much more comfortable for India. And you can genuinely say England were poor on that pitch, but India were pretty much fine. Um, but because that didn't happen, the collapse that we saw of Joe Root's bowling, it does make things kind of depressing. Um, But with that said, you know, a win in a test match is never a bad thing. I don't think they'll make any real selection changes for the next match. Um, It puts you in a good position to win a series, and and I'm sure that by the end of the fourth match, they won't really be thinking about this pitch. They'll be celebrating, hopefully, a 3-1 win.
5: Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's a shame because... You know, even as England fans, I, I, I'm speaking of the three of us, but I, we do not mind losing in a competitive, thrilling game. Like, for example, like the T20 I mentioned earlier, it was swung both ways. I'm sure both teams were really happy with their performances by the end, but it was just the manner of this game. It didn't do either team justice because, again, as an India fan, you, you've you beaten us by 10 wickets in two days. You should be, like, absolutely buzzing about that. And it's the whole thing is just a bit flat. And, yeah, I think the collapse was... My quick calculation, it was about seven wickets for about 47 runs in that first inning. So that's obviously a complete catastrophe for the Indian batsman. Um, but yeah, I, I do want to point out that um, uh, Rohit Sharma is just uh, is just batting incredibly, incredibly well. And, uh, you know, we're talking a lot, quite rightly, about the spinners. But in my opinion, he's currently just my man of the series because he makes batting on any pitch look easy. And it's, it's majestic. And his average in India is through the roof. He is exceptional and I- i'm really really delighted to see him do so well
3: i agree with that and i'd like to take some credit for inflicting the rain stop play curse on him by calling for him to be dropped
2: <laughs> yeah he was nearly dead and he was nearly dead to uh my ankle i think wasn't he after the first test but yeah. he has with his 66 and, and and 100 and whatever it was in the second test pretty much won the two games for india like to get the runs on the two pitches you just played on is it- so unbelievably impressive
3: I have a really baked point about the pitch just to stir some discourse and make Dan angrier. It's a very macro take, and it's this. (laughs) Apparently, according to a stat I'm looking at, in the last five years, I think this is up to 2019, five-year period, seam bowlers have taken 1,500 more wickets than spin. That's the biggest discrepancy since the 1990s, which was the last time spin led. And that is the only period spin has led since, I think, the 1980s. My point being, has cricket leaned too far towards seam bowling and ignored what is a beautiful art form to watch of spin bowling and therefore will this pitch, even if it's a disgrace in and of itself at least give batsmen a kick to say you need to work out how to play spin bowling.
2: Wow, I love that that's a fascinating stat and it's made me actually sit back and think properly and not just shout and go all talk sport on everybody um, I don't know, maybe as, as cricket leans so much to seamers that once every five years they have to create a pitch like this just so spin just takes everything maybe
4: i mean even at, even at sidrabad last year in somerset <laughs> a, 105 wickets were taken by seamers and only four by spinners so if that doesn't tell you on the traditional spinning surfaces of taunton then
5: i, I think that's a fantastic stat zach and will that's a brilliant point um i love that yeah it, it, what this series has done is shown us that England needs to take spin more seriously. Uh, and I think you can possibly say the same for New Zealand in the test form as well. I think they're lacking a real quality test spinner right now. Um, I think we, uh, New Zealand and England, us especially, are going to get found out if we keep preparing these pitches that do nothing but seem around... All day, for four days, everyone's out through the through the seamers. I think that's a great point. Yeah, I think England are at fault here for preparing pitches that consistently do nothing for spinners. And don't encourage spin from the grassroots to the game all the way up to test
2: level. I think it's disappointing. And 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 the fact that our second spinner, quote-unquote Don Best, can't get picked because he's so out of form and we haven't got anyone waiting on, on the cab rank to come in after him is another sort of spin chat about England we can get into.
4: Uh, going down to the grassroots level, Glenn, did you feel discouraged from a young age for bowling your off spin because of the ECB's general, you know, just stigma against spin bowling?
5: Yeah, I felt attacked, which is why I ended up <laughs> working on my wicket keeping last summer because. Hold on, we hold on. Last, on some time, grass. Last, time me, last
2: time me and Glenn played cricket, he was bowling leg spinners yes. on the top of the net. Let, let, let's, <laughs> let's be real. He, he changed from finger to wrist spin and thought he cracked it. <laughs> and, it, and it 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 didn't it didn't quite work. It would have bamboozled people on this pitch, Glenn, I've got no doubt.
5: It's all in the
2: flight. It's all in the flight. It had <laughs> gone above the the wonderful architecture of the stadium, come down through, and and just bamboozled the best Indian batsman. Um, we were chatting about India. So I mean, any more for any more will on, on the India team? Like you said, there's not much to write home about because England was so disastrous. Have we spoken enough about Axar Patel? I think I've just respected him enough by saying all he does is bowl it on a length and it either spins or doesn't, which is what happened this game. And he's very good at doing that. But um, one thing I would like to ask is, when Jadeja's fit again, is there room for both of these excellent cricketers?
3: I think there probably is, and it's in the Washington Sundar. Again, for some reason, anonymously played this game, although they 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 gave him. They gave him the ball just so he could get one last wicket at the end, which felt a bit like bullying. It was, it was like He's the last kid getting picked for the team in the playground, so you just toss him the ball when it's won. Ball him with, um, ball
2: him with Jimmy and see what happens. Re- reverse <laughs> sweeps it into pants gloves. There you go.
3: So I think there definitely will be games that the three of them play together, and and, and I'm excited to see it. Um, and I do think, yeah, we should give Axar a lot of credit because it's only his second test match, and he's got a 10-wicket haul and whatever he came up with in the last game.
2: Has anyone got his, his bowling average in front of them? Because it must be like four. Because he's played he's played these, this game at Chennai, this game at Ahmedabad, and it must be a very low average.
3: He averages over two tests, 9.44 with an economy, this is for you, Dan, two <laughs> two 2.18, and amazingly, five three-wicket hauls in two
2: matches. Wow. I mean, he's had a stunning start, but it's, it's his accuracy, and it's come from his T20 bowling, right? He's an accurate bowler. I saw a pitch map of all his wickets, and they were all landing there or thereabouts in that place where... If it didn't spin, England missed it. And if it did, it was threatening the outside edge. It was was quality stuff.
4: Unfortunately, by the rule mentioned earlier, he cannot qualify as an all-rounder, though, because his batting average is four across two test matches. (laughs)
3: That's (laughs) That's a shame.
2: (laughs) That's so funny.
3: But Uh, someone who we've decided on this podcast does count as an all-rounder, I have no idea what his batting average is, so I'm just going to claim that, is Ravi Ashwin.
2: Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely an all-rounder.
3: I'm going to throw it a twist on the Jack Leach stat of the week with this beauty. Just just illustrates how good Ashwin has been this late in his career to get to that 400 wicket mark. And it means we can make fun of the Australians, which we like on
2: this podcast. I know where this is going, Will. I, I like this already.
3: I found the stat. Credit to a man whose name is written in Hindi in his Twitter, so I can't really credit him. But, <laughs> but, but whoever they are, they point out that on the Decemb- on December 17th of last year, so about two and a bit months ago, Nathan Lyon was on 390 wickets. Ashwin was 365 wickets. Lyon is now 399, and Ashwin's pipped him to 400.
5: You'd love to see it. You'd love to see it.
2: <laughs> so good. So so good. Especially after the the bruising Ashwin, well, the verbal abuse that uh, Ashwin got down under. Um, there was some great fallout on Twitter from this match. Actually, Iceland cricket got stuck in. Uh, Ishiguro tweeted, <laughs> "I wonder what newbies to Test cricket are thinking right now." Iceland cricket said, "This all moves a bit too fast. Is there a longer form of the game?" Um, <laughs> I that one. Um, this feels very Brian Lara cricket. Before you read the instructions, someone's going to leave a ball and then set off for a run. That was. I really enjoyed that. Of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that really cracked me up. The Pasha comparisons
4: put... to Brian Lara were were just brilliant, though. It was like, though, wasn't it, it? it? Yeah, it was like a game of Brian Lowe. And whenever you play a test match on Brian Lowe, it would never last two days. Like if you got to the second day, then like someone had been being boring, basically. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Taking it all a bit too seriously if he gets that far in. Um Crawley and Rowe hit 119 for two, numbers two to eleven, 127 for 18. That was from uh Andy Zoltzman of of TMS. And my favorite tweet of the week in what was a busy distracting time for me on Twitter was Shane Warne. Did did anybody see this? (laughs) Um, I was going to mention it. (laughs) Let me just find it because the the best sort of quote from it was tee off brackets, not recklessly. Now, before we go into the rest of this tweet, how does one (laughs) tee off not recklessly?
5: Uh, You just play really, really hard forward defensives, like really, really Put your back into it.
2: <laughs> Aggressive forward defences. I, I could can, I can dig that. Anyway, so this is just as India got bowled out for 145. And I was obviously buzzing about the pitch. Just as a caveat to this whole conversation, I'm not a miserable England fan, but I said India would win. And if you told me India won by 10 wickets, I'd be like, okay. But after day four, maybe, okay. That's, that was for the start of the podcast. Anyway, Shane Warren, here's a thought for the second innings. Crawley opens with Archer, brawl at three, and say tee off, brackets not recklessly. Aggressive <laughs> Corley bats as he did so beautifully in the first innings. Then besto Root Stokes Pope Sibley, who got stranded at eight, uh, folks Leach spelt like the little thing that sucks blood. Uh, Anderson, um, what do we think to that, boys? If England had done that,
4: we'd be talking about a different test result today, <laughs> we'd
5: have lost by 12 wickets.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, I love it. I think it's a great quote. Uh, a, a friend of mine used to have a cricket coach who would just yell "controlled aggression" from the side of the pitch, and depending <laughs> depending on who was batting, he'd either emphasise controlled or aggression.
2: Uh, you know, Shane Shane Warne and Michael Vaughan's Twitter do provide some fantastic content, so we we can't we can't poo poo them for that. But I think that tweet perfectly sums up this Test match. Totally chaotic, otherworldly. That that second day was just unbelievable the adrenaline coursing through my veins i was if i was fully coming down at the end of that day i had to go have a lie down and a, and a decaf tea because it wasn't our stressful so i don't know any more for any more boys anything you want to pick up from this test and what can we say even for the fourth test for either side
5: I, I guess just looking, you know, at selection, does anyone maybe just, Zach, start with you. What, what, what do you feel that England can, should do differently, could do better to really, there's another game on the table. It's a fresh match. You know, we've been humiliated two games in a row, but there. it's still, you know, two teams on the pitch at the end of the day. What can we, how can we approach this next game on the same pitch to really try and force a, re- a positive result?
4: Well, I think first things first, maybe don't play four seamers. May- maybe not but we'll 25. see what the picture's like for. <laughs> but,
2: but exactly but they're licking their lips at a red ball with no lights <laughs> on
4: <laughs> exactly a gloomy a gloomy 11 a.m morning in uh Ahmedabad um one interesting selection debate will be and it will depend on whether Rory Burns has well come back from you know his his Twitter spat but we're not I'm not going to go into that I'm going to go into I've got a great stat here about his uh his hair so if he's had a haircut then I will, then I will say he should be picked because his batting average with short hair is 37.83, but his batting average with long hair is 18.7. Thank <laughs> you, Surrey crick fan on uh, that Twitter. That is,
2: that is absolute quality. I saw something of a similar vein. I don't have it in front of me, but that he bats better with a New Balance. I think he averages something about 35 with a New Balance bat. Uh, the new, the DSC, he averages about 15. I think he had a grey nickels in the middle that wasn't so good. So pop a New Balance in his hand and it'll be fine. So does Best come back for you, Zach? I think, for me, he does. Um, the most interesting one is, is it going to be Johnny Bearstoke? Can they just fly him out and drop him immediately? Maybe that'll give him a chance to go to the toilet.
4: I mean, what? I, I'm trying. I can't remember who who else is even in the squad who's not playing. I'd give I James know. Brace a go. He's he's there around, <laughs> isn't he? We fly uh... James
2: Vince back in from the <laughs> PSL. <laughs> I mean, Ed Smith used to be pretty decent, so get, get, <laughs> get him on. Gilo, uh. King Spain, he can, he can <laughs> razz a few rounds of edges. Um, and I, I think I said this in our in our group chat the other week, is that it felt like at the start of this tour, we had so many options. Do you remember after the Stranger Tour, we were trying to piece this top six together? So many great options. And then and now we're here saying Ed Smith should come back. It's it's pretty damning, really, isn't it? But that's, that's the extent that, of two batting collapses, isn't it? It really sends... Shudders down spines and confusion amongst selection and and, and batsmen's minds. So like I can't see where England are going to go with this.
4: Yeah, I, th- I think also it comes back to like so we 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 were positive after Sri Lanka, but if you take out Joe Root's runs from both of those games, like England, you know they weren't that great still. <laughs> oh, you think you said his
2: runs were irrelevant anyway? So yeah, I already have <laughs> mentally.
4: <laughs> well, time. exactly. But then it kind of, I think. But you could you you forget about those things when you win, don't you? And it kind of shows you 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 think about them as soon as you lose. You're like, oh wait a second, actually maybe we weren't so good when, you know, Sharanka were reverse sweeping Don Best
2: constantly. <laughs> they they'd, they'd learned they learnt
4: batting with Jimmy Anderson. Uh,
2: for me, Ollie Pope's got to work something out. I thought I thought he was a good player of spin, and now he looks chaotic. But uh, he's one for the future. I think number three is an issue. Do do we bring Dan Lawrence back in? A lot of questions for you select selectors to answer. I think for Burns and Lawrence, who were dropped for this game, they probably, they probably dodged a bullet there, really, um, not being part of this shambles. Um, Will, you mentioned this earlier, but not too much for India to change. I mean, oh, they look so good. And their batting hasn't impressed as much as I thought it would this series. I think uh, Cody's not been great. Rahani's not been great. But they don't really need the runs at the minute. So any changes seen for you?
3: Yeah, I think that's right. And I, I can't really imagine changing the top six from a batting perspective. There seems to be no real need to do that. They might make some bowling changes just to rotate a bit. I know Emeshi Adov is back in the squad. Um, I'd personally like to see Siraj come back in. So if they think Ishan Ash- Sharma needs a rest um, after coming back from injury, he might drop out for one of those two. There's a Washington Sundar question about if they could be bothered to, if it's if it's three spinners again, then I assume he'll probably keep his base, keep his place on the basis so that he's the, he's the best of the bunch. Um, but they could easily take him out for a seamer, but no major changes I would have thought. I hadn't realized, but I
5: think that Washington only bowled 0.4 overs across the game, which I actually didn't notice until literally the second, and he's still got a wicket, maybe point <laughs> out. <one>. Nope.
2: Golden. <laughs> Golden Washington.
3: I wasn't over exaggerating, they quite literally threw him the ball for the last over.
5: <laughs> <laughs> um and one other point, Will, um am I right in saying that pajara struggled a little bit this series? Has he got has he got any scores? I've been a bit disappointed because I loved him during the Oz uh, game and I think he's one of the best batsmen in the world on his day. I just I've been expecting a big score from him and it hasn't necessarily happened.
3: It's difficult to analyze isn't it when you've had outside of the first test just haven't been scoring pitches and they yep. haven't really been long innings at all. Um, but I agree with you. I think it's it's one to keep an eye on but he's he's not coming out of the team let's be honest.
4: Of course. I I think with his kind of slow slow nature and le- until he scores you know, a big score. He kind of goes under the radar with it until he scores like a like a really big score because he's just kind of, you know, he's doing it. He's playing his role. He's soaking up soaking up deliveries, and you know, he played the Joe
2: Denley role. But. I th- I think he's been a victim of these two awful pitches in these last two Test matches. Um, <laughs> one more time for the end of the pod, but he's he right in Australia. He knows roughly what the ball's going to do, so trust his defence and his good technique. These last two pitches have been such lotteries that not even Pajara, can play a straight Jack Leach ball. I, I
5: just want to say that Zach did just compare Pajara to Denley on record. <laughs> yeah, so I, w- I want will. that clipped. So I want
2: that our trailer on Spotify. <laughs> how have you let
3: that go, Dan? <laughs> yeah. I, was let too, me.
2: Will, I was too focused about the pitch. I had to let Zach off. Let me let me point out that the Denley
4: comparison was was really just trying to rile up Dan because I know how how angry Dan gets about uh, Joe Denley, and I thought maybe maybe this would tip him over the edge, I maybe did. he'd fully lose it. But I
2: didn't bite on that one, Zach. Yeah. The pitch was so much far from my mind. But you did in the chat the other night suggest Denley as an option, and I was like, I'm not I'm not <laughs> biting. I refuse to bite on that. He he made a solid I think 31 off 28 today in the PSL. A, cl- a classic Denley knock, but good for him. Um, we need to round this pod off, boys, because it's been chaotic. I've really, really enjoyed this one. Um, I feel that was cathartic for me. I think my mental health can only improve from here for the, for this chat. So thank you so much. Uh, India lead the series two one. I think if England win this one, they play Australia into the World Test Championship final, or I think so. Anyway, so there's something to play for, and obviously some great cricket to watch. Touchwood this time around. That starts on the 4th of March. So, as I said, boys, thank you so much, you know, from from a personal perspective, just for my own health, and for everyone listening's expect uh, perspective, this has been very, very fun. Uh, so, Zach, thank you so much. Thank you, Dan. Glenn, thank you.
5: Thank you, and let me just point out that it's a huge double game week for the formerly Cow Corner, now Rainstop play fantasy uh, fantasy uh, table, so keep your eye on that. That's uh, a big pretty- we
4: pound.
3: have hands that's raised. A that's, a that's a pound in the jar. That's a pound in the job. He said it. He said oh, the I word. Said it. I said it. Okay, that's a quiz. <laughs> the, the fantasy table, which somehow I'm not in.
2: Oh, <laughs> we'll get you in, Will. We'll get, we'll get you. You're not, you, You're just so little a threat in fantasy football that uh, I, can't be, I can't be bothered anyway, mate. I'm sorry. Yeah. Will, thank you for being the, the calm head on shoulders and, and talking me down from a, a, a terrible position earlier this game. Uh, thank you.
3: Thanks, Dan. I hope this has been some therapy for you and hopefully for the listeners as well.
2: Of course, there's listeners. I keep forgetting that. Uh, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> None left by this point. <laughs> None left at the end of this. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Pod. Direct any abuse at to us. Um, if we've just been terrible this pod, please do. Um, and we will see you uh, for the fourth test review.